This podcast is brought to you by the Islamic Center and NYU. For more information, visit our website at www.icnyu.org. Assalamualaikum, everybody. Thank you all for joining us this evening. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Wa bihi nasta'in. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala al-tayyibin al-tahirin. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad. First of all, uh, many blessings to you in this holy month of Ramadan and inshallah for our discussion this evening. I wanted to reflect a little bit in regards to one of the most important foundational principles or one of the most important rituals that we perform during the month of Ramadan. And that, of course, is in regards to supplication and dua and really conversing with the Lord of the worlds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us numerous times within the whole of Quran to make dua to him and to supplicate to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the verses in the whole of Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ إِبَادِ أَنِّي فَأَنِّي قَرِيبٌ A man one day, he comes to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and he says, O messenger of God, أَرَبُّكَ بَعِيدٌ فَأُنَادِي أَوْ قَرِيبٌ فَأُنَاجِي is your Lord so far away that I need to call out to him loudly? Or is he close by so that I can whisper to him? And at that moment, God reveals chapter 2, verse 186 to the Prophet, alayhi salam, when he states, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ إِبَادِي أَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That when my servant, when this man comes to you and asks you whether I am far or whether I am near, then tell him that surely I am near. And I answer and I respond to the prayer of the one who calls upon me. So they should answer my call, meaning they should follow in the obligations and the prohibitions by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to. And they should believe in me, meaning that we should believe in God if we want God to respond to our dua and to our supplication. So that they then may be rightly guided. What's interesting about this really beautiful and awfully comprehensive verse within the whole of Quran is that like many of you know that when you recite the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, many a times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks in the royal we, so to say. He states, and we created the heavens and the earth, and we appointed the sun and the moon and so on. But other times, like in this particular verse, God does not use the we, but he speaks in the first person. When my servant asks about me, then tell him that I am near. All of a sudden, the minute that we talk about something like that of supplication, and conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of the veils between us and our creator, they get dissolved. Because when we supplicate to God in a sincere way, and when we humble ourselves in front of his magnanimity, all of a sudden he comes to us and he looks to responding to our supplication. Another verse within the whole of Quran 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ مُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ In Surah Al-Ghafir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, and say, رَبُّكُمْ مُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Call upon your Lord and you will see him respond to you. He's saying, Ud'uni. Your Lord says, Ud'uni. Make dua to me. Astajib lakum. So that I can respond to you. He commands us towards supplication. Sometimes people, they feel, for instance, that they're not worthy. Many people, they come and they reach out and they say, how should we supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How can we communicate with our Creator? They said, we don't feel worthy enough to asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the benefits of this world and the next world. We feel bad to ask God for an increase in our salaries or so that we can get married or so that we can have children or so that we can pass this exam or so that we can be admitted into paradise. We don't feel like we have the right to communicate with the Lord of the worlds. Over here, if we do such a thing, we're keeping a bad opinion of God. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rather, He commands us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is inviting us and He's commanding us and He's asking from us to supplicate to Him so that He can respond to us. And many other verses in the whole Quran, they speak toward this notion of dua. And for some reason, many a time, supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may itself seem very intimidating, whereby we don't exactly know exactly the words to supplicate to God. How am I supposed to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or what are the etiquettes or the rights or the responsibilities of us when we are supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or more importantly, amongst the biggest questions that many people ask, is why is it that God commands us to supplicate and make dua to him? But then on the back end, I don't have my duas answered. And there's a whole host of different answers that are presented by our theologians. And at the core and the crux of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, has the right toward not responding to our supplication for a whole host of reasons. Perhaps because we have sins that are blockading that dua and that supplication from being answered. Or perhaps because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that there's something better for us than the response to this particular supplication. Or because perhaps God wants to postpone this dua from materializing. So he postpones it for one year from today, one month from today, one week to from today, one decade from today. Knowing that at that moment is not good for us. But it's important, nonetheless, that we consistently engage in supplication with our Lord. Because what it does is it builds a unique relationship between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whereby we can truly feel his presence in the course of that conversation. Because again, it's you with the creator. At that moment, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Supplicate to me, ud'uni, ask me. Again, sort of in the singular. Inni qareeb, that I'm close to you when you make dua to me. Again, in the first person. Because again, the veils between the believer 
and his or her creator are shattered at that moment that you raise your hands in a state of humility and you begin to supplicate and you begin to converse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything internal in your hearts and in your souls, when you pour it out to the all-merciful and the all-compassionate creator. And for today's discussion, inshallah, what I want to reflect upon is in regards to a couple of etiquettes that we can engage in in order to truly allow for our dua and our supplication to, inshallah, materialize by the permission uh, and by the blessing of our Creator. Because naturally, like when we want to put in any sort of effort in regards to anything, there's an etiquette. Before you go for a job interview, you recognize you have to dress a certain way. You have to prepare a certain way. You have to bring certain documents like your resume, whatever else. You want to make sure that you're super attentive at that moment and focused in terms of what it is that you're doing. And in life, when you go to perform any important task, like that of an exam, you need to go in with the necessary preparation and fulfill the necessary etiquette. You can't walk into a classroom and put your feet up on the desk and then assume that you're respecting your professor or your teacher or whoever. Similarly, you can't go to your workplace and you can't sit in your manager's office and say from today, I want this nice fancy view of, the, of New York City. So from today, I'm going to be starting to sit in this office. You can't do that because there's a certain etiquette when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go for a job interview, even when you speak with your parents or when you speak with elders or with anyone really. There's a certain code of conduct and du'a is similar in that regard. But we have a body of traditions and literature as outlined from the Prophet and his family, السلام, that have advised us in terms of exactly how we can make sure that we are fulfilling all of the etiquettes that we possibly can in regards to dua and in regards to supplication so that our communication and our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is as meaningful as possible. So before I get into some, and there's so many conditions, but inshallah, we'll try to go through five or six or seven of them for this evening, inshallah. Before we get into that, I just wanted to share with you one um, hadith al-Qudsi, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala narrates to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam in regards to how we should be in a state of supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then we'll move on to some of those etiquettes. In this hadith al-Qudsi, God Almighty, he says to the messenger, Ya Ahmed, meaning, O Muhammad, O Prophet of God, sallallahu alayhi wa he states, know me in the good times and I will know you in the bad times. Or in other words, remember me in the good times and I'll remember you in those times of difficulty. You know, it's really simple for most of us, and I speak for myself firstly and foremostly, to supplicate, to pray, to recite Quran, to get closer to my religion during times of difficulty, when I'm going through hardship, financial, relationships, whatever it might be, illness, mortality, it's easier for me to connect with God those days in comparison and in contrast with connecting with God when everything is going well. For when everything is going perfectly fine during the course of our lives, we're healthy, 
we have money in the bank account, we're able to pay our bills. Everything is sort of status quo or as great as it can be. It's easy to remain negligent and forgetful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the minute that we're thrusted into some trials and tribulations and difficulty, and you need help on your exam or you're going through hardship, then we say, oh man, I better go and supplicate, raise my hands to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make dua to him. I haven't done that since last Ramadan, for instance. Over here, the Hadith al-Qudsi states, Remember me in the good times. And in the difficult times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will support you. Our relationship with supplication and with du'a more often than not is the opposite. And again, I speak for myself before anyone else. It's easy to remember God when we need him. We always need him, of course, and he's always sustaining us and he's always supporting us. But specifically for specific causes, it's very easy for us to supplicate to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's important that we're consistently in that state, or the only, or the only, or the only, supplicate to me, ask me, so that I can give you astajib lakum, because I want to give you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants our success, isn't one our failure. It's important for us to remember. So how is it then, or what are some of the etiquettes or the conditions in order for our du'as to be answered? I'm going to go through a couple of them, uh, inshallah, this evening. And perhaps if we have another opportunity later down the road, we can continue and sort of uh, conclude. There are probably upwards of 20, but inshallah, we'll go through five or seven of them. Amongst the first and most important prerequisites to having our du'a responded to, is to making sure that we know who it is that we're speaking to. It's almost obvious that when we're communicating, we're communicating with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the trees, our forefathers and those who will come after us and our descendants for generation after generation. That merciful Lord who supported us in our times of hardship and difficulty the one who has forgiven our sins and given us another month of Ramadan this year to worship and be in a state of obedience to him. That God who pulled us out of so many a hardship and so many a difficulty when we were young. That Lord who cared for us when we were in the womb of our mother and he will care for us when we enter into our graves. For he is Arhamur Rahimin, the most merciful of those who show mercy. It's easy that in the course of supplication, when we're making du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be so ritualistic or to be so robotic that we forget that we are actually in a state of conversation with Asma'u Sama'in, the one who hears everything that is being uttered in this universe. Which is why in a hadith from Imam al-Sadiq alayhi salam, there were a group of people who came to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq from amongst the great-grandsons of the Messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wa the sixth Shi'i Imam. He said that, O oh, grandson of the Prophet of God, we always supplicate, Ned'u fala yustajabu lana. We're always supplicating, we're always making dua, but God never responds to us. To which he responds, لِأَنَّكُمْ تَدْعُونَ مَنْ لَا تَعْرِفُونَ because you're supplicating to the one that you don't know. 
for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the whole of Quran, وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرَهِ وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتِ مَطْوِيَاتُ بِيَمِينَةِ In other words, Allah subhanahu, he recites a verse from the whole of Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states that the authority and the power of God is such that of course he's the creator of all of this. And it's important for us to build that relationship with God, understanding that we are his creation, he's the creator, that he is independent from us and we are dependent on him to know God. And when we supplicate to him, recognizing how little we are in this massive universe, there's that much more opportunity for us to bring out that sense of intimacy between us and our creator. So number one is to know who it is that we're supplicating to. And in the midst of our conversation, in the midst of our supplication to him, in the midst of our making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we recognize our loneliness. We recognize our utter and absolute independence on him, but his, his, our utter and absolute dependence on him and his, and his absolute independence from us. The second prerequisite or condition to have our du'as and our supplications answered is, of course, to be sincere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states within the whole Quran, so supplicate to your Lord and make sure, of course, that you do so with sincerity. Remember, in like in anything, when we speak with someone else, they can tell whether or not we are sincere or not. They can tell whether or not we are sincere in seeking their help or in even offering our help to others. And of course, God also knows. But the condition for the acceptance of anything, prayers, fasting, hajj, charity, any ritual, of course, is sincerity. And being sincere, of course, opens up the doors of blessings so many ways for the human being, especially in terms of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So doing things as sort of sincerely as possible, demonstrating that sense of need from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can certainly go a long way. So again, it's not such that you're reciting this dua out of a book, that you're saying, oh Allah, give me a long life. Oh Allah, give me paradise. Oh Allah, increase my wealth. Oh Allah, do X and Y and Z for me. No, but you're actually knowing what it is that you're saying. You feel a sense of the presence of God during the course of that communication and during the course of that conversation, amongst, of course, the important etiquettes of du'a and supplication. The third one of these conditions or prerequisites is to making sure that, of course, in addition to knowing God, in addition to being sincere with what it is that we're supplicating for. Number three is that it's super important that, again, we have a presence of heart and a presence of mind. What does it mean to have a presence of heart and a presence of mind? In a famous uh, tradition from Imam Ali, alayhi salam, he states that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not respond to the supplicant when he 
supplicates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will not respond to the dua of the one who makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when his heart is dead. His or her heart is not into it. يقول, and Ali used to say, إِذَا دَأَ أَحَدُكُمْ لِلْمَيِّتِ فَلَا يَدْءُوا لَهُ وَقَلْبُهُ لَاهٍ أَنْهُ That when you're praying for someone who is deceased, someone's passed away in your family, you want to make dua for them, don't just make dua for them with the utterances of the tongue. وَلَكِنْ لِيَجْتَهِدَ لَهُ فِي الدُّعَى But rather exert yourself in supplication. Exhaust your body. Exhaust your heart. Be so focused that it makes your body tired. You know, sometimes when you give out of yourself, when you're so focused on caring for someone else in terms of doing a good deed, or you're so focused in work, even though you haven't done so much, all you've been doing is sitting in front of the computer. But when you're exerting yourself with such focus, or when you're listening to someone, you know, sometimes listening to others can be also because of how attentive you are to them when they're going through difficulties, when they're going through hardship, it can be so exhausting on our bodies. Similarly, when we make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should feel so overwhelmed with emotion. Is what Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying in this course. That if we want our du'as to be accepted, then again, we can't just supplicate. We can't just call out. We can't just read out of a book. It's fine to do all of those things as long as, again, we're fulfilling the other prerequisites. To knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to being sincere, to having a presence of heart. Fourthly, to being in a state of humility, to humble ourselves in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Numerous traditions of the Prophet and his family, they speak to the importance of being in a state of humility and desperation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he states within the whole of Quran that who is the one who will respond to the desperate, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we're demonstrating how much we need God at that given moment, he is that much more inclined toward responding to us. Remember something, as a reminder to myself, of course, before anyone else. When we demonstrate a sense of need from someone else, when we demonstrate a sense of need from someone else, the likelihood is that they are going to be that much more inclined toward responding to our du'as and responding to our supplications or responding to our needs at any given moment. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to supplicate in that same way for sort of... um, Further kind of <clears throat> understanding in regards to this particular notion, let me narrate to you a small story. There's a famous scholar. His name was Sheikh Ja'far Kashif al Ghita. Sheikh Ja'far Kashif al Ghita lived in the city of Najaf, the city where Ali ibn Abi Talib is buried, Alayhi Salam, Iraq, about 120 or 150 some odd years ago. And it is said that this particular scholar was trying to encourage his son to perform the night prayer and to perform it regularly with his father. Of course, the night prayer, the tahajjud prayer, salatul layl. We tried to encourage him to wake up, you know, 30, 40 minutes before fajr prayers so that they could go out and pray in the holy mosque, which um, is also situated in the courtyard of where Ali 
alayhi salam is buried. For those of you who have been to Iraq, you will know what I'm talking about. For those of you who haven't, perhaps you'll get an opportunity one day. So one day it is said that, you know, he went to his son before they went to sleep and he said, oh, my dear son. His son was 13, 14 years old. He said, oh, my dear son, how about from now on, you know, we wake up to perform the night prayer. So his son, like any 13, 14 year old, said to his father, he was like, no, dad, that's for you. That's not for me. You perform the prayer. I'll do it later. The next day he tries again. And the son says respectfully, no, dad, like that's not, I'm not interested in doing that. Of course, prayer is recommended. You don't have to do it giving himself excuses why he shouldn't do it. So the father one day goes to his son and he says, son, listen to me. How about tomorrow morning, prior to the time of Fajr prayers, we don't go to perform the night prayer, but rather we just go out for a walk. He says, sure. Feeling bad because his father has consistently been insistent that he wakes up and performs the prayer with him. He says, no problem. Tomorrow, I'm down to come with you and visit, uh, you know, go out for a walk around the mosque or whatever it was. He said, okay. For the next morning, he went, he woke his son up. Four o'clock in the morning, he got up. And they said, let's go for a walk. They exited their home and they went by this masjid, of course, where uh, many pilgrims would come and visit. And naturally at four o'clock, even if you've been to Mecca or Medina, for instance, you know that in you know, the darkness of the night or any major city where there's a mosque, who often surrounds the place of worship you know, in the middle of the night, except for those who have nowhere else to go? Beggars, those who are homeless, those who don't have any money. So as he was walking around with his son at this really odd hour of the night, everyone else is sleeping. You look up at the homes and all of the lights are off. And the only people who are awake are those who have nothing, who have their hands out saying, please help me, please help me. At this moment, the father, Sheikh Ja'far Kashif al-Ghitah, he looks at his son and he says, oh, my son, he says, what do you notice about the people who are awake at this time? He says, oh, father, he said, they don't have anything. He says, why are they awake at this time? He says, because they're desperate that maybe someone might walk on the streets who might have a little bit of money, who might put something in one of their hands. He said, this action of theirs is an action of desperation. It's an action of utter and abject need from anyone who might have a dollar, who might have a penny to spare them so they can utilize it to feed their families, they can utilize it to feed themselves, etc. And he said, the difference between the human being and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that when we raise our hands to him in a state of desperation in the middle of the night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never turn us away empty-handed. While the beggars might keep their hands open and not have their supplication answered where somebody will put money in it, when you supplicate to God in the darkness of the night, in a state of desperation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will never turn you away. So amongst those prerequisites and amongst those conditions to have, to have our du'as and to have our salutation, our, our supplications answered is to being in a state of desperation in front of God. Let's go through a couple of more, inshallah. So we have knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing who it is that we're supplicating to, number one. 
Number two, supplicating sincerely to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, having a presence of heart while we are supplicating. Number four, supplicating in a state of desperation. Number five, at least again for today, is that after we praise God in the midst of our supplication, it's important to send salutations upon the Prophet and his family, alayhim salam. There's a hadith that states, كُلُّ دُعَاءٍ مَحْجُوبٍ that every dua is veiled from the skies until you send salutations upon Prophet Muhammad and his family by reciting, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Oh Allah, send blessings upon Muhammad and his family. Why? Why such insistence on sending salutations upon the Prophet and his family, alayhim salam? Numerous different reasons, but amongst them is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to know him through the vessel of the Prophet of God, sallallahu alayhi wa ta'ala, right? It would have been sufficient for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for instance, to you know, have sent down a book to every single one of us, that book being the whole of Quran. Or he didn't have to send down any prophets, but rather he could have written in the sky with stars saying, I am God, worship me. And say, now is a time of prayers. Now is a time of fasting. This is the beginning of the month of Ramadan. Whatever. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to get closer to him by means of the prophets and messengers that he has sent down for us. And of course, the greatest and the most important for us being our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam because he is the vessel that we utilize to get to our creator and amongst those ways that we even have something as simple as our supplications answered is by means of remembering that this message, this religion was founded on the back of these individuals, on the back of the Prophet wasallam, and his immaculate family, the Ahlul Bayt. So sending salutations upon them in the midst of our supplication, in the midst of our dua, saying, oh Allah, Grant me a long life. Oh Allah, increase my wealth. Oh Allah, enter me into paradise. And then you conclude by saying, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. And oh Allah, bless Muhammad and his family. Because when you ask God to bless the Prophet and his family, what's the Prophet going to do for you? He's going to pray for you and your family back too. Of course, they're alive. They're alive in the spiritual realm. So when you supplicate to God and when you send salutations upon Prophet Muhammad, he who has that close link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also be an intermediary and intercessor in order for our supplications, inshallah ta'ala, to be answered. There are many, many other ones. Maybe I'm going to answer, I mean, I'm going to speak to maybe two more and then inshallah we'll, we'll conclude. The next or amongst the other important prerequisites in order for our supplications to be answered is to making sure that we're staying away from sin and seeking God's forgiveness. There are certain supplicate, there are certain du'as that are hindered in terms of their ability to manifest, in terms of their ability to be answered, because they are blocked due to our sin, due to our vice, due to our acts of transgression. For instance, if we have missing prayers, we have prayers that we never used to perform when we were young. Now would be the days to try to start to 
make that commitment back to our Creator and perform our daily and our, and our obligatory prayers and those that we've missed, or fast during the holy month of Ramadan, for instance, that need to be made up, or mends that need to be made between family members, friends, or other sins that need to be compensated for by means of us seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma in one of the famous supplications of Imam Ali, supplication known as Dua Kumail, he states, Oh Allah, forgive those sins which are blocking my du'a, which have imprisoned my du'a. So seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and staying away from sin demonstrates that sincerity that we wish and that we desire to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by. Furthermore, Another important prerequisite to having our du'as and our supplications answered is to perform these supplications and these du'as in the most sacred days and in the most sacred nights because we have a notion within our tradition of sacred space. We have a prayer mat that we pray on. Why? Because it's symbolic and it reminds us of prayers. Number two, we are given and blessed with certain places that have the ability for our du'a and supplications to be answered. Like next to the Holy Ka'aba, or like the plains of Arafat, for those of you who have gone for Hajj. And of course, the days and the nights of the month of Ramadan. These days and these nights allow for us to be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and allow for our supplications and our du'as to be answered. So let's make sure that we're sincere. Let's make sure that we understand sort of the magnanimity and the importance of du'a and supplication. Let's make sure that we know and understand the magnanimity and the importance of supplication during the course of these days and during the course of these nights. And inshallah ta'ala, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us tawfiq. Inshallah, we'll conclude with some questions and answers for those of you who may have any in regards to this. Walhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahumma ala muhammadin wa alaha tayyibin al-tahirin. If you would like to listen to more, please donate to www.icnyu.org donate. For more of our virtual programs, go to www.icnyu.org classes. If you have any questions, email us at info at icnyu.org.